Hey there, this is Gary Farish, and this is the Eye on College Basketball Podcast. I got Matt Norlander with me, I got Sam Bassini with me. It's Thursday night, and Utah is murdering Arizona State. Game started, I think it was 30 to 2, uh, 30 to 2. Like at the first 32 points that were scored in the game, 30 of them were scored by Utah, uh, and it was 44 10 at the half. So the Utes from, are going to remain uh, as soon as this game goes final. We're recording right in the middle of it. Uh, just a game back of Oregon in the lost column of the Pac-12 standings, but that's not uh, the Pac-12 story that's been big the past 24 hours or so. Instead, it's Sean Miller, and Norlander turns out Sean Miller is just as anti-court storming as I am anti-court storming. Now, uh, I'm sure I know we've talked about it before, um, but I I forget. Are, are any of you guys, either of you guys, are you pro-court storming? Or are we all on the same anti-court storming page here? Or are you neutral on it? Like, hey, shut up, Parrish. It's not that big of a deal. I, I will say that go ahead, I go ahead, Matt. Go ahead, Sam. Oh God, Sam is, fired up. Sam is fired up for this podcast. By the way, go ahead. Clearly, Sam. Um, mostly I hate the conversation of court storming more than I hate any other conversation in college basketball. Cool, I'll mute you. You should, yeah, just do it. Uh, I think that if you can find a way to control it, it's a part of basketball I would like to have in the game, but. If you can't find a way to control it, like at Colorado last night, where these kids just rushed onto the court three seconds after the final buzzer rang, I'm not sure that it's really doable at this point. I don't think it's a tenable aspect of college basketball, I guess. So let me give you the Sean Miller quote real quick, and then Norlando, I'll get your thoughts on it. Eventually, what's going to happen, Sean Miller said, after the court was stormed on his Wildcats Wednesday night, Eventually, what's going to happen in the Pac-12 is this. An Arizona player is going to punch a fan. <laughs> I love that he just went ahead and said it was going to be one of his guys. Tippett, well, there was a reason for that. Though. I, the only thing that I know, he got he got to the kicker later. The best thing would have been, you know, one of those thugs from UCLA is going to punch a uh, kid. <laughs> like, I wish he would have gone that direction. That would have been, that would have been more like Sean Miller. Right, okay, so he says, eventually what's going to happen in the Pac-12 is this. An Arizona player is going to punch a fan and they are going to punch the fan out of self-defense. And when it happens, and only when it happens, will everyone take a deep breath and say, we have to do something to protect both teams so that when the game ends, we have a deep breath to be able to leave the court. End quote. Norlander, your thoughts? few here. One, I'm definitely tired of the discussion, but I I'm you, you too. I can talk. You think I can't do a whole podcast just talking to myself? I, I, I know you can, and it's so good to be back in podcast form. Uh, but I understand the discussion. It's like it, this is just—it's like the freaking bubble. The discussion on court storming is just going to happen every single season in college basketball. Uh, I'm pretty ambivalent to the issue overall. I understand that there are certainly precautions and measures that need to be taken into place. Like with what happened with Xavier Nova, again, we will get to uh, the PA announcer. Like this is not going to solve it every single time, but I think this is a practical approach um, that can work in a lot of instances. If a game is close, you feel the room out. The PA announcer simply takes a minute during a timeout. There's no music. It's the PA announcer saying, listen, everyone, do not run on the floor. It is a dangerous situation or wait until I know it's not going to work most times, every time, whatever. It happened in Xavier Nova. And guess what? They stayed off the floor. I get that it will not happen every single time because sometimes the nature of these things is you might you might be down 68 to 60 with three minutes to go and you don't even think you're going to run on the floor. And then all of a sudden you come back, you win at the buzzer, and then kids are going to be kids and they're going to run on the floor. And by the way, it wasn't just kids. Get this. 
my ex-girlfriend's cousin tweets me like an hour later, goes, hey, man, I was on the floor in that, in that court storm. Oh, it was so awesome. He's like 30 years old. You still so keep in touch? Hold just on. Like, you, 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 you That's my biggest question. You still yeah. keep in touch with your ex-girlfriend's cousin? He follows me on Twitter, and I know his name, and I remember his face, so that's how I knew. I didn't, know, I didn't know he was following me. He hit me up, and I was like, hey, dude, what's going on? And so he just dropped that. <laughs> Crazy, right? So this whole notion that it's only like these sophomores and juniors, no, there, there are apparently you know, 20-somethings and early 30-somethings that are getting in on the action. I love Miller for saying this. He basically is echoing things that Krzyzewski has said in the past, and they're in very similar situations. Duke in the ACC, Arizona in the Pac-12. These are the kings of their conferences. They're the only schools that are getting this done to them when they're losing on the road multiple times. I, I don't have the stat off the top of my head, but I think it's like 10 of the past 12 Arizona losses on the road in the league have led to court storms. And so at a certain point, you're going to hit a breaking point. I love the fact that Sean Miller has about one of these moments a year where he is extremely honest very frank with the media, gets his direct message across, isn't worried about, you know, picking his words carefully, whatever. He's saying, no, one of my dudes is going to punch a fan because we're getting sick of this and there's going to be some dumb fan that gets in his face. He's going to be pissed off about a loss and then you're going to have a lawsuit. And then what's our league going to do? And he's, I like that he's calling out Larry Scott, the commissioner, and, and the leadership of the Pac-12 because I get where coaches are coming from with this. You want to have some sort of action before – Something truly bad happens. And there are definitely people on the side of the argument that say it almost never happens. But the point is, it can happen, and let's not wait until that. Yes. I say all that to say, in terms of court storming, I'm not anti the act. Uh, but it's 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 honestly, it's like it's this thing that just it just keeps existing within college basketball, unlike really any other sport out there. I understand occasionally college football gets it, and occasionally it'll happen like in European soccer or whatever. But not to the extent it happens in basketball. And those things, they're bigger fields. Right. And it's not as much of a cram right when the game ends. So, you know, we've talked about this issue so many times. In you, know, you know what I feel like, though? And please do not try to twist it. I'm not comparing one act to the other. But it's a little bit like when uh, – because I talk about this all the time. I write about it all the time. And people say, oh, stop it already, Parrish. We've heard it already. You know, get over it and get off my lawn and blah, blah, blah. But, like, I, do you remember the press conference where President Obama said, you know what? You guys can get mad every time I talk about this. But, like, I'm going to keep talking about it till we do something about it. You know, like the, the yeah, that was the the, the shootings basically, right? Yeah. And he was like, "Yeah, every single time I'm gonna hold a press conference, and every single time I'm gonna talk about it until until you pay attention to me." And like, you know, I think earlier today we had a mass shooting in Kansas, and we're still not doing anything. So w whatever, we can do a whole podcast on that another time. But like, that's sort of the way I feel about this. I understand folks are tired of the conversation, but the only reason we're still having a conversation is because we've literally done nothing about it. And I love that with the show, the 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 main point Sean made is a point that I've made for years now, which is when we get this bad high-profile moment. In other words, when uh, Arizona is playing at Washington State and Washington State, as unbelievable as this sounds, like beats them. Let's uh, be realistic. Okay, I'm sorry. Let's, let's start Come over. Come on, Gary. Let me start over. <laughs> okay, okay. Arizona is playing at USC. Fair enough. Is that a passionate enough fan? Are there going to be enough people? Story? Yeah, okay. Okay, start, let me start over. Let me start over. <laughs> Say Colorado. <laughs> okay, Colorado. <laughs> Arizona's playing at Colorado. They storm the court. We know that can happen. We've seen it happen. Uh, Caleb Tarzuski, a kid jumps in Caleb's face, bumps him. Caleb's pissed off because he just went, you know, because he just missed two free throws to lose the game. And uh, somebody bumps him. He turns around. 
He pushes the guy. Somebody pushes back. Now we've got a punch thrown. Now we've got a brawl. Okay, now, if we can all agree that that's not a far-fetched situation. Like, I realize we haven't had that exactly. Well, we... Well, By the way, I'm just going to note here. have this once. Go ahead, Sam. If some dude runs up on Caleb Dorsey, yeah, that's the wrong dude to run up on. Uh, I am not going <laughs> to yell at Caleb for here's, hitting that dude in the face. Here's what, here's what I would that do. dude is a moron. Here's what I would do. I would run up. I would go to Philly and run up on TJ McConnell. <laughs> right? I would court storm from Boulder to Philly, run up on TJ McConnell just to play it safe. All right? I'm, I'm Parker Jackson Carter. <laughs> so here's what I would say. Um, if we can agree that that's not that far-fetched, like that hypothetical isn't a far-fetched hypothetical, that it could happen tonight. It has happened. Okay, right. Okay, like we've had these moments. It happened two years ago when Utah Valley and New Mexico State Yeah, no, but that, but, yeah. It, but No, it, I, I'm just saying it's yeah. happened. I'm not saying that that did anything. Yeah, I'm but here's what I'm saying. But nobody got knocked out. I'm talking about when Caleb Tarzuki, Tarzuski knocks somebody out. Tarzuki right? someone, yeah. <laughs> when he lays somebody out and it's on... It's in. It's on national television, and the whole country's talking about it this following day. If we all agree that that's not far fetched, that it could theoretically happen any night, and that when it does happen, happen immediately, we're all going to be screaming the same thing: we have to do something about court stormings. Wow, this kid's in a hospital now because he just got punched by somebody who's six foot ten. If we all agree that that's possible, and we all agree what the reaction's going to be when we when that happens. Why are we waiting till it happens to do something about it? That's always been my question. Why are we going to wait till somebody who is the size of Caleb knocks out a student who got in his face and was probably intoxicated? Why, are we, if we know when that happens, we will change the rules. Why are we waiting for that happen to, for that to happen until we change the rules? And, like seriously, that, I'm asking you to answer that question because I ask that all the time, and people think it's a dumb question, but I, I I've never heard an intelligent answer to it. No, I don't have an answer personally. Nobody ever does. Yeah, like I said, that's why I think that you need to find a way. If you're going to continue to allow court storming, you need to find a way to securely make sure the students stay back until the other team gets off the floor. There's not an answer to your question. Uh, It's just that I I hope that we can find a way around it uh, to make some sort of compromise to make it uh, amenable to all parties but I can't yeah. really say that your situation's wrong. No, you're, you're and I don't know that my situation and my idea is realistic, to be honest. Well, the compromise might be this, like what sort of what happened at Xavier, right? You could say, um, you say, hey, listen, everybody, uh, we know we want to get on the court and celebrate. This is amazing, um, but uh, we're going to need a minute. Yeah. So like, hang out, hug your friends. Mm-hmm. We're going to need 60 seconds to get the opposing team off the floor. Anybody who comes on the floor... Before we sound this buzzer a minute after the final buzzer, we'll be arrested. Mm-hmm. All right? Okay, so, like, you can come on if you want to, but we're going to arrest you. But in a, if you just wait one minute, you come on the floor and celebrate with all of your classmates and even the basketball team, and Chris Mack will probably take a selfie with you. Like, I, like that might be the compromise. Because, like, if you put me in charge, I just say, um, here's what we're going to say. Within five minutes of the final buzzer, you're not allowed on the court. If you get on the court, we're going to arrest you if you're a civilian. If you're a student, we're going to arrest you and um, uh, kick you out of school, dismiss you from school, and immediately you don't need extra security because that's the question I would get all the time. Well, where are these schools going to get the money for extra security? Or if if kids really want to get on the court, they're going to get on the court. You just tell them that if you get on the court, you're going to be expelled from school. Like like and and actually enforce that. Let one kid get expelled from a school for getting on the court after the game. 
And then all the other kids realize, whoa, I can't do that. And then it's over with. We won't have them anymore. That's my suggestion. Uh, but if you want to have a compromise because you don't want to take that moment like completely out of college basketball, the compromise is give us a minute. Let us get the opposing team off the court and then come have fun. But like, give us a minute. But that, that would be the compromise. And uh, I, I could live with that, I guess. You could, you could also do what DePaul did earlier this year. No, not or, have fans, no. just not have fans. Well, well yeah, no. they, didn't, they didn't have enough fans in like the stands to rush the floor whenever they beat Providence. <laughs> so the players went into the stands. <laughs> it happened, yeah, it happened with another game like the next day. I thought that was a really cool thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I... I I don't have an answer for why it hasn't changed. I think part of it's based on uh, conferences have their annual spring meetings in in sunny locales, and they're dealing with so many issues and things that have to be voted on. And at the end of May and in early June, college basketball is like you're not even you're so removed from the season and from the heat of the moment and the argument. And usually there's only one or two instances nationally per year. They don't affect every single conference. And so because of that, I don't think there's a natural urgency to change things. We have these discussions in January, and sometimes they come right into mid-February. Uh, but without a lack of, of you know five or six incidents that really get ugly, I think that's part of why it doesn't happen. That's my, that's my general – that's my expl- explanation for why we haven't seen more movement on and this, and the, the, it's The whole sort of thing puts me in a weird position. Like, not really a weird position, but I'm just... That's because you know what? You hate being the fun police. You're like anti Well, 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 that's that, right? So, like, some people will be like, oh, Parrish is the fun police. No, like, if you know me at all, like, I ain't that guy. Uh, Beyond that, and this is such a weird dynamic, um, I don't really struggle with it, but I have these... Every time I know there's about to be a court storming, there's a part of me, a very small part of me, and then I snap out of it quickly and I go, what are you doing? Like, stop thinking like that. But that... I like, I want something to go terribly wrong. Like I want, like I want something, I want chaos. I want an incident so that I can say, Hey, all right, I told you, I told you this was going to happen. Now, what are we going to do about it? And then I immediately go, well, no, you don't want somebody to get knocked out. What are you doing? Like, get that out of your head. But like, it's a weird sort of thing to, to, on a very like deep, like buried level, want, (laughs) like want something bad to happen during a court storming, just so that you can like reach so that we can reach the point I've been screaming about reaching for years now. Does that make me a sick person? Be honest with me that I root for like bad things to happen during court stormings so that, so that we can uh, end this conversation once and for all. Does that that's, make a, me- that's, that's a little sick. You know, oh, no. well, then what I we might need is to clone edit that Grayson Allen. We might need to clone like 50 Grayson Allen so they can just trip every student that tries to <laughs> really? run. Court, 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 a, yeah. That's the thing. After Grayson gets through playing basketball, nice segue Norlander. We'll just get a bunch of Grayson Allens to surround every court. And if you try to run on it, uh, he'll trip them. If you didn't see the uh, vine tonight, then clearly you weren't on Twitter. Um, but there was a moment in the Duke Florida state game where um, it, it appears, or let me, let me just say it this way and then we'll have the conversation. Um, people on Twitter are suggesting that Grayson Allen has tripped another player. And, uh, and we've all watched this in super slow motion. Um, I think we have different opinions on it. Norlander, I'll start with you. Did Grayson Allen trip another dude tonight or what? Well, by definition, he tripped another dude. I mean, the act of tripping doesn't have to mean it was intentional. Oh, look, he... at, look at little lawyer Norlander. <laughs> oh, you just got lawyered. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, no, so... you are right, though. I mean, you're exactly right. He tripped him. Now, I don't now know let's talk about this... whether it was intentional or not. I don't know. Like, <laughs> It might have been. It might not have been. I think Sam is, is fully entrenched in the Grayson Allen 
did not intentionally trip uh, Xavier Rattan Mays here. Am I right, Sam? I'm not like fully entrenched, but I don't know by any means. And I think that there's a there's an awful quick rush to judgment here uh, against Grayson to say that he did it. Uh, it's just so not clear. Like, I wish that there was another angle. Uh, I wish that I wish there was just more information on this, because even people that were sitting like right at the scorers table, like five feet away from where Grayson Allen was, are saying like he genuinely had no idea what was happening. Like he just raised his hands and was like, whoa, like what's going on? Then he offered to help like Rattan Mays up. So I'm less sold on this being like a fully intentional thing. Like the thing against Louisville was like the thing against Louisville. He pretty clearly tripped that dude. But this one I'm less sold on. And I think that because of his past, people are rushing to judgment. Well, that's the thing. So, uh, you know, perfect storm here. Uh, Quite frankly, there would be... The only other thing that would cause this kind of reaction with any other player is if Adam Woodbury accidentally poked another dude in the eye <laughs> right. because he has a history of it. So I was surprised <laughs> by the... What happened to that? Did he just stop doing that? <laughs> it just stopped happening. I'm kind of waiting for a sneak, <laughs> a, a sneaky repeat in the tournament. Let's that not was my, it out. That was my favorite. I forgot completely about that. That was my favorite story last year. He just kept poking people in the eye. Yes. And, and, they kept, and then Fran kept trying to say it was an accident, except we'd watch basketball games every single night. We'd never see anybody else punch, poke anybody in the eye. It was always him. Exactly. So, <laughs> it's amazing. With, so with great – listen, it is, it is because it's Grayson Allen. He's at Duke. This is, to me, some more evidence toward – and I had a little bit of – not skepticism, but I wasn't fully in on like, okay, Grayson Allen's the next like massively hated Duke player. He's the next in line. By the way, Eric Meek, all-time sneaky hated Duke player. People forget about that dude. <laughs> uh, but with this kind of stuff and people so wanting and willing to immediately jump on Grayson for this, I'm buying it more and more. Um, to be honest, it's probably a good thing for college basketball. I don't know if he really wants or embraces this role, so to speak. But uh, it definitely is interesting how people are wanting this to be something that he did. They want him to be the next evil symbol of Duke. And he clearly had to have tripped this guy. By the way, Duke won the game and was winning, and this happened at the end of it. So there's no real reason for this to go down otherwise. Yeah. GP, what, what are your thoughts? I, listen, I, I'm, I'm sort of in the boat of I can't tell you he absolutely intentionally tripped a player. Like, I can't, I can't, I can't see that. I what can't. is the motive behind the trip? You know, what was the motive behind the last trip? The like, motive behind, yeah. Like, maybe he's just a jerk, <laughs> you know? Like, like what if he's just a jerk? I mean, I don't know. I guess here's But, what... like, this is the end of the game. <laughs> like, <laughs> the competitive juices are probably, like, pretty low at this point, I given guess... that they're up by 15 points. Like, like why, why was Adam Woodbury poking people in the eye all the time? Like, I, like who knows, you know, with this guy? Here's what I would say. I can't tell you Grayson... Grayson Allen intentionally tripped somebody tonight and he needs to be suspended. I can't go that far. I can't get in his head. And I don't think the video is, is that clear cut. I will say this when I watched it over and over again, looked like he tripped him. <laughs> like it looked like he, it looked like he did what other people are saying he did. And, and Norlander makes a good point about uh, maybe another somebody like, listen, for most people, this wouldn't even be a story. Most people, uh, if Yogi Ferrell did it, well, I'm Illinois. Indiana-Illinois we is happening right now. Yeah. The game's winding down. If Yogi Ferrell did it, 
we wouldn't we probably wouldn't even no one would even it. bother to vine it or mention right, it right uh, nope. like some of this becomes where your your past becomes part of the story like you don't get the benefit of the doubt because we've seen you do this before so when it happens again whether you meant to do it or not there's going to be people out there screaming here he goes again and that's that's sort of ungracious it i mean listen if he if this was truly unintentional that's too bad but um i think in all walks of life like your your past sort of sort of plays into your 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 present or at least it shapes the perception i'll actually take it to a, a different topic in college basketball uh with frank hayes like if he were just another dude and what popped at missouri you know last month or whenever it popped popped um it'd be like well you know like what did he know and uh, but because it was frank hayes and because the stuff at miami happened before whether it's right or wrong fair or unfair i'm not even commenting on that at all people immediately went oh here he goes again you know, like because his past played into the perception of 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 the present, and I think right, we, but it, but it's once a past. I, I guess is my point. Like Frank Haith has done this what three times now? I think it's only right? two. I think it's only two. He did it Miami, Miami to Missouri, Missouri to Tulsa. So yeah, two. Yeah, two. Two, two. two is still twice as many as one. Like it's still easier. <laughs> look at to the like, look at the math major. <laughs> seriously, like it's still. It just it's hard for me to convict Grayson on this one. Whenever it's only one time that what this is, happened. All right, let me ask you a serious question. What is twice as many as six? <laughs> it looked at me like, listen, I again, I'm not trying to, I'm not going to write a column tomorrow saying Grayson Allen, we have to deal with this. But like, it looked like he tripped him. But like, it, but either way, I think the safe thing we can say is that what happened previously and sort of this reputation he's starting to develop, whether it's fair or not. Um, it like plays into what happened tonight. Like Norland is exactly right. The reason this thing's all over Twitter is mm -hmm. because it's Grayson Allen, and it's because Grayson Allen has sort of become. I mean, Dana didn't Dana O'Neill write a whole story? Like, she, yeah, she did. Yeah. yeah, and uh, and like so some like that's all of that plays into this. You said something. He's he's turning into one of the most hated Duke players, and you said underrated hate, uh, hated Duke player. Here's one for you. Who would be the most hated Duke player if he actually played at Duke? Like currently? No, like a, you take a, a any player in recent memory from another team, you put him in a Duke Blue Devil. Oh, uniform. I have one. Is it Aaron Kraft? Is it clearly Aaron Kraft? Oh, yeah, that, that's definitely Kraft. <laughs> Kraft hit those um, levels. It's got Aaron Kraft was, was hated. Kraft was hated at Ohio State. <laughs> I know. So like, like <laughs> would Aaron Kraft be the most hated Duke Blue Devil of all time? Right up there with yes. Leitner. He like he yes. might have he might have would have been. Uh, I was gonna say that I think that Steph Curry would be hated if he played for Duke. Nah, you kind of look what he Duke. does like to the guys on the sidelines. I mean, he celebrates yeah, he and really stuff. He's the kind of no, 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 no. I mean, like what his personality is now. But everyone loves oh. Steph now. Without so, a, like, it's kind right. of a weird yeah. dichotomy yeah. there, where you're talking about like on one side you have Steph Curry, who is one of the most loved players in all of basketball right now, if not the most beloved player. Oh, he, he does stuff that if like a guy that was wearing a Duke jersey did it, everyone would hate him. They'd or, hate or, him. or I'll take it a step if Russ Westbrook did it. Yeah, without it, I think you're absolutely right. Yes, I think it's going to start. We don't have to drift into. Well, here's the thing: like the other it's, players, it's, it's going to start turning on him a little the bit. The other players don't even seem bothered by. It. Did you see the quotes from Dwayne Wade last night, uh, Wednesday night? Uh, like Steph, apparently, like he, I didn't see the game, but I was reading about it. And Steph, like you know, Steph did what he did, and he pulled up on him and and sort of like winked at him or smirked at him, and they and they were asking Wade about it, and Wade was like, you know, what am I going to do? He's great. Like that is not the type of thing an NBA Hall of Famer says when a when a young dude like you know smirks on him, you know smirks at him or talks whatever to him, and yet 
even Dwayne Wade with Steph Curry doing this because it was so noticeable that like apparently the reporters asked Dwayne about it. He's like, what am I going to do? Like, you know, like I, I tried to go back down and I smirk at him and like, man, it's, it's a lot of fun playing against somebody like that. But you like, yeah, like JJ Reddick did that stuff to kids in college all the time. <laughs> right, right. But like, if you let, like, I don't like the Steph thing is really, really interesting because he, not only is he beloved by basketball fans, like even, you know, like people hate LeBron James, like, ah, oh, boo, King, you know, like that lady in Oklahoma City yelling at LeBron, suck it up, LeBron, whatever. <laughs> like people, like people, like there are people who like hate LeBron James. Nobody hates Steph Curry. And and what's interesting now is what we're starting to find out, even the other players that he's showing up, like mm-hmm. just bearing 35 footers in their face, like they don't hate him either. Like everybody likes Steph Curry. It's a pretty interesting deal. Yeah, yeah, no, got, I got, totally not, agree. Got, got nothing to do with college basketball, but I just you got me, uh, you got me uh, thinking about it. Hey, Norlander, let's talk about something else. All right, let's talk about it. You wrote about Ben Simmons earlier. This I did. Week. I thought it was uh, two things: really well reported and really well done, really well written. I thought it was tremendous. Um, so con- congratulations on being tremendous. Um, <laughs> but all, the, the, the only place where I would disagree with you, I think, and I think this is just a small disagreement, is yes. so, sort of part of your narrative was, uh, or part of your point was. Um, this is going to come back. This is, it seems like Ben Simmons is being held responsible for this failure at LSU more so than anybody else. And I actually think, and, and listen, I, I'll, I'll listen to you counter it. Um, okay. I think it, it's on Johnny Jones. I think when I talk to people or when I just sort of see the general commentary on about LSU, it seems to be a lot more Johnny Jones jokes than it seemed, than, than, uh, than it is Ben Simmons jokes. In other words, to go back to the NBA, like if the Cavs fall in their fla- face, it'll be a whole bunch of LeBron jokes. Um, when LSU falls on its face, it seems to be a whole bunch of Johnny Jones jokes, not Ben Simmons jokes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, uh, and I know Sam disagreed with Colin, which is good, because I, I think that we should definitely have these you know situations. We shouldn't all be yes-men and nodding to each other with our content and stuff. Um, so... I'll be the first to say that I don't I don't think I wrote the column as well as I even could have. Um, and uh, as I was kind of writing it, trying to finish it, uh, GP's voice was lingering in my head because I definitely uh, this is not an excuse whatsoever. But I was trying to make sure my son would shut up as I was filing. <laughs> um, but the the basis of the thesis was I think I was being more uh, speculative to the future. So. Where I was coming from, like, for example, I've got a few buddies who bet on college basketball. And, so do I. Um, yeah, but so, and so I, you know, and they follow, like, they bet on the games, right? They know who Ben Simmons, they're not diehards, then who Ben Simmons is. They even know who Keith Hornsby is. How about and that? I asked two of them, I said, what's the name of LSU's, co- LSU's coach? James Jones, one of them told me. That's not his name. <laughs> Shout my, out to James my, Jones, my speculation, my speculation Shout is Shout out to this. Devin Downey. Yeah, exactly. Oh, there we go. Gotta we'll get, get there him once. 30 minutes in, uh, shout out to Tyrus Thomas. But um, my speculation <laughs> Tyrus is Thomas, that... Tyrus Thomas sat in front of me at Watch the Throne. True story. Cool times. Um, <laughs> you know how hard it is to sit behind Tyrus Thomas at Watch the Throne? <laughs> Especially if you're you. I know. It's not Very easy. difficult. Very difficult night. My speculation is that um, it's going to eventually be a, this uh, thing with Ben Simmons where he might, he'll go number one or number two, but I, for the purpose of, the, of really hammering home the column, he'll be the first number one pick in the modern era uh, to not uh, play in the NCAA tournament, certainly with the way they're going. And because of the way we can simplify, and I'm not a big fan of the word narrative, but we can simplify narratives and legacies, I do believe that the no matter what Ben Simmons goes on to do in his NBA career, and I do think he will have a really good NBA career, he'll have this weird 
thing attached to his college career was, yeah, he was awesome. But remember how he didn't get to the tournament? And, and what was that about? That's that's my speculation. I will say this. GP, tell me if you disagree with this. Mm-hmm. I don't. I started CBS in 2010. I cannot remember a player, no one at Kentucky, no one at Duke, maybe Jimmer, that elicited so much response in such a wide variety as what Simmons does. And I think a lot of it is because of the coverage, the way he was crowned. And I will also say a lot of that was warranted because he was he was talked about as a hugely impactful talent, a kind of player we haven't seen before. And statistically, he's lived up to that. I'm fascinated by him. I hate watching LSU play because I'm watching a game within a game. I, I love watching Simmons play. I watch him do all these amazing things. And as I wrote in the column, it's like it doesn't freaking matter. Like the defense isn't there. He'll put up these great stats. He's an amazing rebounder. Okay. His his jump shot is not all there, but it's not like completely awful. And yet you watch and it doesn't there's there's no impact with that and i'm not saying that lsu failing is his fault but i just think that ultimately he's going to have this weird negative stain on his college career that he does not deserve because collectively i think he will be remembered for being this amazing talent that couldn't do crap when he was at lsu and people won't remember who johnny jones is i just don't think that'll happen here's what i would say um first there seems to be, because I've been asked about this a couple of times since your story, like going on radio stations, people ask me about it. And they say, um, is this going to be another recruiting tool for Mike Krzyzewski, another recruiting tool for John Calipari for the next Ben Simmons? Like, hey, don't don't just go like anywhere. Don't think you can just make it happen anywhere. Because like Ben tried that and it didn't work out. And I, trust me, K will use that directly or indirectly cal will use that directly or indirectly but like you know michael beasley went to kansas state and like you know they were good made the tournament all that stuff so the idea that um you have to go to one of the blue bloods if you're somebody of that level talent um to succeed just i i sort of still reject like anthony bennett still was in the ncaa tournament right so um i I sort of reject that idea although i under I, i understand where it comes from um Here's what I think about Ben Simmons. Years from now, yes, I think we'll remember it. But like I was talking to my buddy Chris Vernon earlier today, who hosts a radio show in Memphis. And I said, and he was like, like how many great players never played in the NCAA tournament? Like he, he said, Damian Lillard and uh, Paul George. Yeah, but there's a, there's a clear difference. Oh, no, a clear difference. I got it. No, 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 no. No, your, your point is well taken. Like I, but he, we were just trying to think of great NBA players who went to college but never played in the NCAA tournament, right? And he was like, Lillard, um, uh, Paul George. And I said, I said, Steph played in it, obviously, but he didn't play it in his last year of college. He was like, what? I said, Steph Curry didn't make right. the NCAA tournament in his final year of college. He was like, no, for real? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, I don't even remember that. So I wonder, like, how many people, you know, we can debate how many people will remember Johnny Jones or hold him responsible for Ben Simmons' college career. How many people, if Ben goes on to be what he's supposed to be in the NBA, which is a franchise-type guy, I guess, like, how many people will even talk about what happened in college at all? Like, does that completely go away? Sam, you might be better to speak on this than I. Like, how much, How much? I guess we're, we're arguing about how people will remember his freshman year. I'm wondering if people will remember it at all in any form like who will care see i was gonna say the opposite i think i'm probably like the worst person to ask about this because like i just think of it as like i just think of like players in their skill sets and like in regard to their draft stock a lot of the time and i kind of do that with ben so i don't really think people are gonna care that he didn't play in the ncaa tournament like at all but then again like i still struggle sometimes with like 
understanding what, you know, people's college legacy is in a lot of ways. Like I can pick out the big stuff, like clearly, you know, Jimmer's always going to have that legacy at BYU. Sure. Everyone's going to remember Buddy Heald at Oklahoma. Like, heck, people remember Hollis Price at Oklahoma. Wow. Like. Shout out to Hollis Price. I guess, it's just no, hard for like, me to kind of like contextualize we, it in that we, way. You know what college, I mean? Like, I don't think people will care. I guess, I, well, I guess it, like college players, we have like uh, there are these iconic college players that people that are forever be remembered for what they did in college. Jimmer is obviously yeah. one. Um, I think Adam Morrison is obviously one. I promise I'm not just going to name a bunch of white players. But, <laughs> but, but Frank Kaminsky is obviously JJ one. Redick, maybe. JJ Redick is also one. But uh, certainly Steph Curry. Part like part of the Steph Curry story is what he was able to do, um, you know, at at, at Davidson. Um, like Sean May is another one. He'll Kimba. always be remembered at North Carolina. Kemba, Kemba. Shabazz Napier. Like yeah. they're they're. There's yeah. a handful of those, but I think for most guys, like, um, I don't know. I just think, I just think we lose track of it. Like Kyrie Irving played like what? 27 minutes of NCAA tournament basketball. Like whatever. You yeah. Know? But yeah, yeah. yeah like, was... I think that you can build a legacy in college, but if you don't build it, I don't think people hold it against you. I think and that's I'm, true. Yeah. I think that's true, but it doesn't, it doesn't get away from the larger point Norlander was writing about, which is, which is that, this is pretty rare what we're watching right now. Like guys of his skill set sure. don't miss the NCAA tournament. That's which, basically yeah, in, which, a sen- in a sentence, Ben Simmons is going to be the freshman of the year and have one of the greatest statistical years of the modern college basketball era. And it's just going to be this weird factoid that sticks to him, in my opinion, that he did this. And I think it will be overshadowed by the fact that he did not go to the NCAA tournament and it will be the first number one pick in the modern era to do it. Again, I know Ingram can get there, but right. let's just... Let's just stay uh, on that situation. Anyway. Well, Sam, let me ask you this. Um, I, I, I think everybody, as far as I know, everybody still says Ben Simmons has to go number one in the draft, and I don't, I don't disagree with that. Do you love him? Like, like, do you like look at him and go, yes, star, sure thing, no, like, uh, because I sit in studio in New York every week with a variety of of former players, whether it's Wally Zerbiak or Danny Granger or. Brendan Haywood or so on and so forth. And they all like him. Like they all can recognize mm-hmm. his unique skill set, right? Like nobody says he's a bomb. But I, I don't know that any of those guys are like, yes, like future all NBA type guy. Like they question why why is he why is everything around the rim? Why is where's the jump shot? And I know you can develop all that stuff. And I think they know that as well. I'm just saying, I found it sort of interesting that the former NBA players I've been around, like where we're just like watching games and talking, they, they all go, yes, amazing talent, but they've all got a butt in there. Do you have a butt in there? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that I have the entire time he's been in college and from the first time I saw him in high school, I've kind of always said that, yeah, he's a really, really incredible talent, but he's not like this world changing talent like Anthony Davis. He's not the next like Greg Oden was one of those incredible, you know, franchise changing sure. talents. Um, he's not on that level necessarily. Uh, he's not a LeBron. It's just that he is a really good prospect that, you know, could go number one or number two in the draft. Uh, I you think keep that, saying that. Who else would go number one? Brandon Ingram? Yeah, Brandon Ingram. Okay. There are, like, I've talked to NBA, NBA people that like Brandon Ingram back. Okay. Um, 
Ingram, what people like about him is A, he's a year younger than Ben Simmons. B, they think they can develop his body. C, the shot's there. The length is there in a way that for Simmons, it's not. Simmons' body is basically fully developed, even at 19, 20 years old by the time he gets to the NBA. He's already 240 pounds. Like, you don't want him much bigger than 245, 250 pounds, given what, you know, his body and what he's going to be responsible for. He doesn't have super long arms. Uh, He's... Not a great shooter. You're obviously going to have to deal with that. I've talked to one person who thought that uh, if they drafted Simmons, they would want to change him to a right-handed shooter. Oh, wow. Because if you watch him around the rim, he right. wants to finish everything with his right hand. Well, let me just stop so you So they right think there. he's right-hand dominant. We are talking about a probable number one overall pick <laughs> who scouts want to make him shoot with his other hand. And like, that's honestly, that was one person I talked to. I know, but I still like that. I sincerely doubt that is a no, larger, I, I agree. Like, but the idea that somebody who's employed by an NBA team has at least thought of that suggests yeah. that that's a real issue. No, it seriously is. I, I think that Simmons is a very similar prospect to what Andrew Wiggins was coming out of Kansas, right? Wiggins was built up to be this incredible, like, life-changing, franchise-changing talent. But you got to college and you saw that there were a lot of problems. I mean, he still had to work on the jump shots, still had to work on his ball handling ability. Uh, Like you saw the talent that was there and he's averaging 20 points a game in the NBA right now. I think that the Timberwolves are very happy with where Andrew Wiggins is. But having said that, you know, the Timberwolves have a better prospect on their team now, first and foremost in Carl Towns. And a lot of the problems that Wiggins portrayed early haven't really gone away. I think that scouts are a little bit worried that they're going to have to do a lot of work with Simmons. And sometimes that sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I mean, how many guys have there been throughout the course of NBA draft history where you went, Oh, well, if that guy could shoot, he'd be the best player in the NBA. Sure. Like it's not just a matter of, you know, flicking your, you know, whatever and flicking a switch and it goes on. Like sometimes it goes on for guys. Sometimes it doesn't like Kevin Durant became an incredible ball handler. Whenever he got to the NBA, Harrison Barnes didn't uh, like skill development. Isn't just like this magical thing. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes it doesn't. If Simmons, I think Simmons has a higher ceiling than Ingram, if he can get that jump shot down. And that's why I still have him at number one, but it's not a sure thing to me at all. And I can see why people would like Ingram more. Would you take Andrew Wiggins' career or Ben Simmons' career right now? Oh, I'm going to have to think about that. That's hard. That's really hard. I would probably take Simmons because I think he can do just a little bit more. I think that if you can get him to just try harder defensively, it won't even be like a development issue. It'll just be an issue of getting him to work harder defensively. I think that with the passing, the rebounding, the ability to score around the rim, everything he can provide, he's probably just a little bit more valuable. Last thing before we get off this subject, Norlander, do you think this is the type of thing, whether you hold Ben Simmons, Johnny Jones responsible, or the cast of characters surrounding them, is this the type of thing that really, really hurts LSU in recruiting? You had the number one, you had the best player in the country, you couldn't do anything with them. Negative recruit, negative recruit, negative recruit. I believe that Johnny Jones has done so much damage with his inability. I know they made the tournament last year. There is a there is a very logical argument to be made that that team last year that was in an 8-9 game 
should have been on the better line of a 5-12 game, if not higher, between that and then the obviousness of this team this year and, you know, recruit people that are going to recruit against LSU are not going to, you know, go into the details that Sam has detailed on the podcast and other people know that you've got uh, just a, a really interesting mix of players and a lot of talent, but the pieces don't fit together. doesn't matter. You had all this talent. A lot of coaches would be able to get to the tournament without any sort of doubt. Uh, to me, this will hamper LSU so long as Jones is still employed there. And I'm not sure how long he will still be. Employed. Oh, wow. Put him on the hot seat then, Norlander. Well, I mean, listen, one more thing, and then we should, really should probably get on to Xavier Nova, but th- there is an interesting situation in that state and i don't know if it will affect jones's situation but with the money and education and schools and public you've got the governor talking about how they shouldn't even have a football season until everything gets in line there obviously we know that's not going to (laughs) happen yeah good luck Uh, governor you're about to be voted out of office without a doubt without a doubt but uh I simply set that up as saying, I don't know if getting rid of Jones and buying out whatever he has left on his deal and then getting a new coach will be something that can be accomplished. Maybe it can be accomplished by this April. I don't know. Maybe they wait one more year. That'll be interesting to see. Of course, they got to wait one more year, don't they? I mean, they don't have to, but like he's he's not somebody who's in trouble, I don't think, in terms of his job. like There's, yeah. a, lot of, there's a lot of guys who are in trouble for their job. I don't think he's one of those guys. Yeah, I would not be surprised if he went after next year. I would be surprised if he went after this year. I do just want to point out that LSU's team last year had two of the top sure. 33 picks yeah. in the NBA draft. Yeah. Right. So th- this isn't a new thing where talent is going there to die. They basically. had, they had Jarrell Martin, who is now a member of the Iowa energy. Okay. Yeah. And Jordan Mickey, who is now a member of the main red claws. <laughs> I love the main red claws. Shout out to the main red claws. Hey, but both those guys got guaranteed deals. No, they absolutely did. I watched the Grizzlies draft them. Yeah. Uh, uh, Xavier? Xavier beat Villanova. Did you see that? Yeah, that's why I brought it up, dude. And um, <laughs> and so and so now we've got a situation here where uh, I watched I caught you on inside college basketball GP. Thank and you. uh Do you like my tie clip? I did like your tie clip. And, and uh, it is an entertaining show. Rossian really tries to throw you off the track there, but you, but you keep you keep it on the rails. <laughs> how, about, and, how about we randomly got into a Counting Crows discussion in the middle of basketball highlights? How did that even happen? I don't even know. <laughs> and did you like my tweet when I tweeted at Rossian? This is August, playing off. This is March. <laughs> no, no. He uh, dropped a long December later on in the night. Oh, did he? Oh, nice. yeah. He was on. He, um, he was on it. He was on it Wednesday night. So and our, hey, our boy Rossian's going in uh, big CBS on Sunday with Greg Gumble. Oh, is he really? Check that out. Shout out to John Rostin. Stay hungry, stay gumble. So, um, I anyway. told him. I told him to celebrate. <laughs> I told, oh, stay. Oh, you have got to tweet that on Sunday. <laughs> like you got to tweet that at him Sunday morning. And I, I told, just have. I told Rostin to celebrate. He's got to take me to dinner Monday night. So the dinner's on Rostin because he got that big CBS check coming Monday. There you go. Right. So you had said that you think that the end of uh, the Big East will end up uh, if they play in the championship game. The winner will get the one. The loser will get uh, booted to the two line. I think that's probably likely. We'll have to see what happens around it. Uh, we'll just simply say, and then I'll hand it over to Sam. Obviously, a, a huge win for Xavier because it's it's the signature win. Uh, the totality of the resume. That's why they're one seed right now. If you mean if you really look at what they've done, Xavier is very much deserving. And what I wrote after the game was, I think that unfortunately Xavier is now going to step into the same role Villanova is. The Big East has to prove itself in the tournament. I think these teams will need at least five wins between them in order to, to gain any sort of credibility, if you even want to use that word. I buy both of them. I think they're both really good. I still think Villanova is a top five team in the country. Uh, and it was it was a great game for the league overall, but it, it benefited the Big East certainly to have Xavier win that game. I think by so, the way, too. The, 
the funny thing about like the whole Villanova thing like failing and going back to our previous conversation, if LSU hangs on to that lead last year against NC State, uh, I don't see them beating Villanova because I don't think they could have stayed disciplined enough last year. And we're probably having an entirely different conversation about Villanova and Jay Wright failing in the NCAA tournament or whatever. You realize, I think we've talked about this, but I know I've talked about it a lot on radio. Um, Villanova hadn't been to the NCAA tournament since, I mean, they hadn't been to the second weekend of the tournament since 2009. It's been a time. It's been a while. Yeah. Scotty Reynolds. There, there's listen. People the only, don't like Adam. I dig it. Like, no, the only no. Yeah. The, the only reason I know that is because like I, you know where I live, I host a radio show, and like Memphis fans are like, you know, because Josh Pastner got the job in 2009, 2010, and uh, Memphis fans are like, Josh Pastner hasn't been to one Sweet 16. I'm like, Jay Wright hadn't been to a Sweet 16 since Josh Pastner was the head coach of Memphis, which is just amazing, right? I mean, particularly considering they've been in the tournament, they've won the Big East the past two years. I do think they end that this year, if only because they're going to be a one seed. And you got to you, you better you better end that streak if you're a one seed. I like that Villanova team. I don't love them, but I like them. I like them as much as anyone else in the country. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Sam. I mean, and Xavier, listen, I just I I just. I, I, there's something about him. I, I like I like JP Mercura was going off. Like Okay, how about this? Would you right now without seeing the bracket, would you take Xavier or Villanova to go further in the bracket this year? Blindly, I would take Nova, but barely. Barely. What about you, Sam? I would take Xavier because I think it's harder to find a team that you know, clearly has a matchup advantage on them. Like if you can go inside and really pound the ball inside against Villanova and get a Chefu in foul trouble, you can have success against them. But against Xavier, I think it's kind of hard to find like a pure weakness. You know, that they have the big guys in Farr and Reynolds. They have the wings in Blewett and Makura and even Sumner's big enough to move over there. And Miles Davis and Sumner are so good at the point guard position. Like it's just hard for me to find like, that weakness and without looking at a bracket i would say that it's just harder for me to find a matchup well earlier today um our buddy seth davis posted over at si.com like you know he had essentially scattering reports from from people on staffs of big east schools and pac-12 schools and so on and so forth i think big 12 schools as well i think it was big east big 12 and and pac-12 and about villanova that one of the coaches in the league said something very basically like, if you're physical, you can bother them. Like, if you're big, you can bother them. And so for them, mm-hmm. you know, we always talk about the bracket. Like, it's about matchups. But with them, it, like, really, the difference between a Final Four and a round of 32 loss might really come down to matchups for them. Yeah, I mean, you look at what Virginia was able to do to them. Right. Like, Virginia just straight up, like, out physical them. I mean, they killed them on the glass. They just beat them inside. And, and Oklahoma, Oklahoma you know, kind of shot the lights out like crazy. And they out-rebounded them, though, again. Like, they out-rebounded them by almost 10. I mean, it's it's part. Uh, it's just hard for me to see a circumstance where Villanova, without getting really hot from three, beats a team with a really tough interior presence. And the problem for them is they don't get hot from three. Like, they don't shoot it that well. It's, it's, it's remarkable. Like, when you look at uh, sort of their Ken Palm breakdown, and I know you do, or you should... Um, they shoot like a crazy amount of three pointers, but they don't make very many. Let me look at what it is. Okay, I'm so, gonna guess 33. I feel like I looked at it. What are yeah, they at right now? Okay, so uh, so 44 percent of their field goal attempts are three pointers. All right, that's a lot. 
It's, it lot. ranks 20th in the country. All right. Um, now their percentage is 32.8, which yeah. is 254th in the country. So they shoot way more than most people and they make a way lower percentage than most people. It's actually like the opposite. I was looking at this the other day. And I know I sound like an idiot, like look, just staring at these numbers. all the time. I'll say this for Villanova, though, while you're looking up other stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, they're at like 35% since conference play started. Okay, so like, here, like that early yeah, season. Right, yeah, they right, were really, really bad really early. Yeah, they were really bad early. That's fair. Okay, so it's like the opposite of what Arkansas does. And I don't, and you, you better not, you should know that about Villanova. You don't need to know this about Arkansas. <laughs> but Arkansas is shooting 40.4% from three-point range. That's 10th in the country. They only, of their field goal attempts, only 27.2 are actually three-point attempts, which is 333rd in the country. So it's basically the flipped scenario from Villanova. Villanova takes a whole bunch, but barely makes them. Arkansas makes them at a high percentage, but barely takes them. Yeah, SMU's what? like that too, I believe. Yeah. Where they take, so, a, or they don't take many threes, but they hit them at like an absurd rate. Yeah, Mike Anderson, if you're listening, start shooting them more. Just shoot more <laughs> of them, right? Is, is, it, is, it, is it that simple? They've got multiple... 40% three-point shooters, and they make them at a rate of 40, at a top 10 rate in the country. I say shoot more. Uh, I, one more quick thing on Should Nova. I be a basketball coach or not? <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Scotty Thurman. One more thing on Nova. They uh, they have a top 25 strength of schedule, so I don't want to hear that they haven't played anyone because that's not true. And only Nova and Virginia are the only teams in the country right now that are top 12 in both offense and defense uh, in terms of efficiency on Ken Palm. So I know that's not everything, but it is something to consider that generally speaking, they're relatively good on both sides of the ball, which kind of speaks to their overall team ability because their, their guards are not super athletic, obviously. Um, what about my boy, Tubby Smith? I mean, you know, you, you wrote the column, they almost lost and, and now you look good and, and let's move on. Okay. So let me ask you this, or let me tell you this and then get your reaction to it. And it better be a, the reaction should be uh, amazement. All right. You ready? Okay. So as I'm, we all know, he's having a good year. He's doing it again. He's about to take a fifth school to uh, into the Blade tournament. Second man in history to ever do that. Lon Kruger being the other one. Blah blah blah. Here's what I found amazing: if you take away Minnesota's vacated NCAA tournament appearances, like when they were writing papers for everybody and whatever they were doing, um, Tubby Smith in just six years at Minnesota is responsible for 38.8 percent of their NCAA tournament appearances. That's dumb. Isn't that dumb? That is actually really dumb, and that is a very fantastic statistic. I just started looking. Uh, I was like, "Is this right?" Like, I kept pulling out the calculator. I was like, "Oh, is this right?" Like, if again, I, I'm not counting the vacated ones because what is it like two of eight or something? No, it's like three of whatever that is. Like, th- like <laughs> let me pull my calculator out again. Or it's, three of eight, probably. Yeah. Uh, let me see what it is. Um. Yeah, I guess, yeah, it's 37.5%. It's three of eight. So they've been to the, they've got eight non-vacated NCAA tournament appearances in history. Minnesota does. Tubby got three of them in six years and got fired. Now he's going to, he can set himself up to do something similar with Tech, where, like, if you remove the fact that they had a guy there who's considered, like, a top three college basketball coach of all time, um, he'll, he'll start to establish something of a similar pattern. Won't get the the car to get ahead of the cor- uh, horse uh, by any means, but you know they're going to be in the field this year, yep. 
and more power to them, man. I mean, that's yeah. just no. It's, it's actually, really it's really one of the hardest jobs because the location, the league. I mean, it's not yeah. an easy place whatsoever to win. No, I can't imagine it's an easy place to live. Have you ever been there? I know, I know. You listen. You have told me many times, and you've said it on the podcast. And you know what? I take that back because, like, there are people in Lubbock, and like, God bless them. It's probably their favorite place in the world. Like, I, I you know, I live in North Mississippi. Who am I? You know, but uh, um, there ain't much there. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Like, it ain't like recruiting a kid to say uh, Miami, you know? So, um, but like, they're doing it. They're getting the job done. And um, it is sort of very similar in the sense that fired from a Big Ten program, reputation as a great tactician, but not a good recruiter, 60 years old, Texas Tech hires you, you turn it around. It's, it's awesome. It's a really interesting formula for schools that aren't traditional powers. Because, like, a lot of the time you think, like, oh, yeah, we need to get a really young guy who's That's a really good thought. recruiter in there. Right. Um, and uh, Minnesota kind of did that. Right. Um, it, it's interesting to me to go the opposite way and just get a really good tactician in there who might not be as active on the recruiting trail but is really going to coach the kids up. So it, it's kind of a – kind of an interesting story to look at if you're a smaller school who doesn't have a ton of basketball success in the past maybe look at that as a case study right you know like listen i i'm the first to admit i was wrong because i thought exactly what you just said why is texas tech hiring tubby smith like if he couldn't recruit at a high level at minnesota and really wasn't recruiting at the proper level late in his tenure at kentucky like how's he going to get players to texas tech and if you can't get players to texas tech how are you going to win and i think those are all reasonable questions to ask Except he's winning, like I think he's won like five straight now, and and they're safely, uh, safely in the field. So I, I give I give uh, I give credit to the administration down there because yeah. um, they got it right. I I thought they were I don't, you know I don't think I tweeted hashtag stupid when they tied. Yeah, you called him drunk. I remember it. I don't believe I called anybody drunk. Did I? Did I do that? No. I might I might have. You might have actually. I might have thought. How about this? Whether I said it or not, I probably thought it. Like what are you doing? Why would you do this? Um, and yet. Um, I was wrong, I, and that will be the last time on this podcast that I admit that I was wrong. Can we get, can we get one more quick thing in? That's so what she said. What's yours? Sure. Uh, Indiana is now one win away from the Big Ten title. Yeah, did you hey, see? I got I got to admit that I, actually someone tweeted at me that I was wrong about this because I did say Sam that uh, I called you drunk and I said um, that Indiana was not going to have any chance in first place in the Big Ten. So I was wrong. That's a, a surprise to me, I will say. Um, not that you, you admitting you're wrong, that Indiana's in this position. They only have to win one of their last two games. Those two games are against Iowa and Maryland. But the Maryland game is at home at uh, you know Assembly Hall where they haven't lost all season. So they're in kind of a good position right now, you'd say, right? Great position. I mean, like, I mean, and, and you know, it's possible that they got better without James Blackman, but, like, they did lose a McDonald's All-American. Like, yeah. you know, when you lose a player of that caliber, you ain't supposed to go win a Big Ten title. Like, it's really – are we right. Start, are we right now starting the Tom Crean National Coach of the Year campaign? Okay, so – Do you want to start it? Go I ahead, mean, Orlando, start it. I'm, no. like, not opposed. I'm no, not, no, 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 he won't. I got won't yelled win. at earlier in the year for saying that I thought the job that Crean did was better than the one that Fran did at Iowa. He did say that. He did say it's, that. Sam, is, it that, is it that far off? Well, like, is it that crazy? Well, I think it was that far off then, but I think Iowa's lost like three of their last four. Parrish called you drunk. I remember that podcast. Yeah. Um, here's the thing, though. Okay, this is where it gets. Indiana's going to have a good seed, and it can't catch a bad matchup in the first weekend because it's one of these things where, like, Crean's overachieved, and he, and 
it just it'll blow up in his face if they don't get to the second weekend. And that is, let's just be honest, like it's that's certainly something that could happen. So um, let's just hold our breath here and see what Indy ends winds up doing, uh, because fans honestly they they'll give give him credit for winning a Big Ten title and see what they do in the league tournament and all that. But if you go one and done or one and one in the NCAA's, I mean, it's in a lot of ways it would be back to square one with Tom. Okay. With the fan base, he'll still be there. He's not losing his job, right. but that certainly it's almost like uh, he has stepped he stepped on a great grenade right now, and he has to be careful how and when he's able to step off it. You got to get to the second weekend now with what you've accomplished. With oh, teams. like I, I feel like I feel like anything short of like an elite eight, final four, they're gonna like right. Maybe it, I, I think mean, it depends they, in a yeah. lot of ways. Like I yeah. think that I think honestly he could even lose in the second round. Like if they're a four and he lost in the second round to a five, where. Mm-hmm. It was like kind of a tough matchup. I think that he might be okay, but you guys are right. He can't lose in the first round. And if they're like a three or a God forbid, they end up being a two. I would be surprised about that. But I mean, if they win both against Iowa and Maryland, that's probably not out of the question. Uh, If he's like a three or a two, uh, then he probably does need to get to at least the sweet 16 early day. Why do you think Adam Woodbury stopped poking people in the eye? There are certain mysteries in life that just don't deserve to be answered. And that's she, clearly like, one of them. So we got, you dare me to, you dare me to get on the big 10 teleconference Monday. And that'd be the question. Uh, <laughs> Fran Gary Paris, CBS sports. Um, <laughs> good to talk to you. You know, I was just talking to my buddies, Matt and Sam over the weekend. And like, do you know why Adam stopped poking people in the eyeballs? <laughs> I think that would go over. <laughs> the thing it would be incredible. <laughs> Remember how mad he used to get about it? Fran would be so pissed off every time somebody would bring it up. It was, that was that was like I think looking back on the 2014-15 season, like everybody will remember it for Kentucky and Jolly Okafor and all that. I will remember it as the year Adam Adam <laughs> kept poking people in the eye, and Frank kept getting mad every time you asked him about it. <laughs> and the four reporters they would have because it's like not a whole lot of national media in Iowa, right? It's basically like the same group of characters, like every week, and they'd be like, uh, "So Fran." Um, Adam poked another dude's eyeball out tonight. <laughs> he'd get so mad. He'd be like, it's not, he's not doing it on purpose. And then if you watch the one he did with Kaminsky, Kaminsky's really like, and like, it's like the middle of a play. And I think it's like on a post-up or something. Kaminsky was really like, dude, come on. Like, are you serious right now? <laughs> well, that's the thing. How about this? How many times have you seen a basketball player get poked in the eye this year? It hasn't happened to my knowledge. Like I'm not you, saying it hasn't happened, but to my knowledge. Like who watches more basketball than you two idiots, right? Uh. Like I, have, say, I don't yeah, think I've seen it. You don't see it ever, and this dude was doing it every other game. Not, not like in space, like it was happening with Woodbury. <laughs> like, like you'll occasionally see it, like whenever a guy's going up and like he's going for a rebound, and you know a hand just hits him in the face, right? But <laughs> Woodbury was like happening in space, oh, like dude. where he was like guarding a guy like twenty feet away from the hoop. Y'all gonna die when I send in when y'all look at a, a, a budget line and it says Parrish has an oral history of Adam Woodbury's eye poking because I'm doing that. Podcast will melt down if this if, if it happens again in the, in the next three weeks with Woodbury. God, please, please Incredible. do it for me. I ain't try, don't like don't hurt anybody. Just like but do it for me. So okay, we got a weekend of basketball games. I guess the headline is uh, Virginia North Carolina. Is that right, Sam? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, North Carolina is. I think North Carolina can lock up the ACC at that point, right? Is that, is that right? I, I would guess so. I think that they're can up. They, can they lock it up? Let me look. Oh, uh, no, they... because they're still only a game back of Virginia or uh, Maryland or Miami's only a game back of them. Right. Okay. Um, but here's what's interesting like, um, 
and this this is such a struggle for like some college basketball fans to to grasp. Like North Carolina's got a two game lead over Virginia in the standings right now, and yet Virginia's way closer to being a one seed than North Carolina is to being a one seed. Uh, yeah. Do you uh, disagree? Like, no, it's no. I'd agree with that. It's accurate. Just listen, because there are there are non conference schedules and they're not balanced league schedules. Right. It's really not that hard of a concept to figure I, out. I, I, well, hey, get in my mentions, okay? No shot. I'm <laughs> hopping in to that morass. Get in my mentions, then, because you you have no idea how hard it is for some people to grab. I get it every day. Like just wild questions from people like, uh, so Parrish, how are you going to have the third place team in the Big Ten ranked ahead of the first place team in the SEC? I don't know, because one's got nothing to do with the other. Like, what are we? Th- what are we been talking? I don't even understand your question. How, what do you like? Or like, for, so? Oh, this was the one I would get all the time. North Carolina, or no, no, no. Arizona is ahead of Oregon in the Pac-12 standings. How can you have Oregon ranked ahead of Arizona? Like, I really got to sit here and explain this to you in 140 characters. All day long, I get that. All day long. You Every do it to single yourself. day. That's what really hurts. How do you cut your mentions off? Is there a way to do that on Twitter, Norlander? Yeah. You can um, just, like, get rid to, of uh, What you do is you, you go to your phone. Okay. You hold down the middle button. And when the, all the icons start shaking, you <laughs> hit the X on the Twitter, and then your mentions go away. You know what? Uh, I, I, every person I've ever talked to who has gotten off Twitter lo- loves themselves. Like, they love life again. Like they're very food sat- tastes better. The air seems cleaner. No, it's like they really are satisfied with like the like wow. You know, it's it's almost like you you talk to somebody who quit like a bad addiction to any bad addiction, right? It's like yeah, you know, I got off Twitter finally. Hadn't touched it in two months. Wow, I feel so much better. And the problem, of course, is our jobs are directly tied to it. Like we can't get off Twitter. You know, I don't think we can. Do you think we could if we wanted to? I don't. Uh, think- I, don't I don't think so. I don't but you know, so it sounds like what. Twitter is for a lot for some people can be like you know what eye poking was to Adam Woodbury you know he was just poking randomly just poking people in the eye it was so good and then then Fran would get mad about it that was the best part I can't decide what the best part was was it Adam Woodbury just randomly poking people or Fran like getting mad if you like asked about it. Go pull yeah. up those press conferences. Kentucky plays at Vanderbilt. That's Who a huge cares? One for is, is, does Adam Woodbury play for either one of those teams? If not, <laughs> let's move on. He does not. But just Vandy kind of needs the win. <laughs> uh, Oklahoma's going to have to win at Texas if it wants to stay a one seed candidate, in my opinion. Utah, if it beats Arizona, that will obviously have huge Pac-12 consequences. And Utah right now is you know you guys both think it's the best team in the league i think there's a lot of merit to that and i think it'll be a very trendy final four pick last one just a quick hit is maryland at purdue maryland is it's a tough game to win because it's on the road um but maryland is is quickly if it doesn't win that game you know, it might wake up on Selection Sunday and, and be a six or a seven seed. And people that have heard about how good Maryland is all season might be a little shocked by this. But the fact of the matter is they just don't have a lot of heft. They haven't beaten a lot of good teams. And Mello Trimble has suddenly turned into, you know, a guy that doesn't look like he has any business starting from Maryland. I don't know what's going on. He's got to turn it around. I really like his game. But to me, Maryland at Purdue is the is the game of the most consequence in terms of seeding because I think it can do the most for Maryland's reputation and its resume. What about Xavier at Seton Hall? The Musketeers going to get caught on the road? They Sam. could. They could. Um, yeah, I just wrote about Seton Hall's win over Providence tonight. Isaiah Whitehead is 
he, he's kind of hit that point where the switch has flipped for him. Uh, he was always a five-star recruit who was expected to, you know, you know, turn around Seton Hall basketball. Well, he's basically doing that right now. He had 25 points, nine assists, and four blocks is like a six-foot-four guard. He blocked four shots tonight. Um, he has been ridiculously good for the last, I would say, month and a half. For the first month and a half of the season, he had, I think, the eighth worst true shooting percentage in the country. So it's nice to see a guy that has this nice billing really turn it around and become as good as he has become. And I think that they have a very good chance to go in and beat Xavier because, uh, like I was saying earlier with Xavier, you know, they don't really have a lot of weaknesses. I don't see a ton of weakness with Seton Hall when Whitehead is playing efficient basketball because they have the big guys inside and Delgado and Sonogo. They have, you know, a bench guy and Derek Gordon who can really play. They have Desi Rodriguez and Kadeem Carrington who can slash. I mean, this is a tough team to play. I wouldn't want to play them right now. I'll tell you that. Do we have anything else to say, Norlander? I got nothing, man. I got nothing. I, I feel like I think we, we exhausted it. I think we've, I, I, I don't feel like I can go back to Woodbury again right now. I feel like I, I feel like I might have gone there one too many times. <laughs> like he went there one too many times. I feel like I went there one, <laughs> like he went there one too many times. So uh, yeah, let's call that a thing. Although it is worth pointing out that um, as we were speaking to each other here on this Thursday night, Cal won again. I think that's six straight for Conzo yeah. Martin's team. It's big. You know what? Like um, those are. They're two- not going to be in an eight-nine game. We were talking about that before. They're going to be a better seed than that. Well, you mentioned Vanderbilt earlier. And, like, those are two teams that I think were preseason top 20, 25, whatever. And they got pros, and it wasn't going well for either. And yet they're both going to be in the NCAA tournament, I think. I can't go there with Vandy just yet. Why is everyone so excited about Vanderbilt right now? Because you got to put 68 teams in the tournament. They're going to be one of those. It looks like it. They've won, like, four or five with two of those wins against Missouri and Auburn. And they beat Georgia, who yeah, also they, they beat at home. Kentucky. Like, That's a huge one, but yeah, I'm with yeah, you. Yeah, like they have to go and beat Kentucky. They have to go beat Texas A&M on the road, like at the end of the year, before I get excited about them. I mean, I've I was as excited about Vanderbilt coming into the year as anyone in the country was. I had them as like a top fifteen team, but this team was not good for a long time, and they were seven and six before beating Georgia and Florida. And I, I don't see a reason to get. Super thrilled about them yet. Because they're 9 and 6 now because 7 plus 2 equals 9, Sam. So glad that you're a math major. They went and won at the O-Dome. You know who couldn't win at the O-Dome? West Virginia Mountaineers couldn't win at the O-Dome. Alabama went and won at the O-Dome. Shut up. <laughs> no, I just I I think they're going to get there. I I, I don't I, I agree with the you. The talent is there for them to get there. There's no doubt, no doubt about that. And like the talent the, is there, but... And that we can talk about this another day, and I think we've probably talked about it before. But like one of the things working for Vandy and really for Florida, and and for the bubble teams in the ACC and the bubble teams in the Big East, like the Mountain West stinks and the Americans yeah. stink. Like all these, t- the the NBC probably going to be one bid. The uh, uh, West Coast will probably be one bid. Mount, yeah. So like all these leagues that. I mean, the American got five a couple years ago. Like these leagues that are used to putting multiple teams in the tournament, they're not there this year. So, yeah, like, Matt, what do we think? Do we think the A10 gets two? Yeah, like, maybe three. Maybe, maybe three. Maybe yeah. three. three. Yeah, I would be shocked if it doesn't get three. It so has BC's to have everything a, break BC, just right to get four. Which but I don't BCU think will keeps happen. losing. 
Yeah, like VCU keeps losing. Bonaventure's resume is fine. Georgetown or George Washington's is fine. Well, that's what I'm I talking about. I think it's going to get three. I think it will break to where it gets three. But personally. go start looking at Vanderbilt's resume next to St. Bonaventure's or Vanderbilt's resume next to, um, you know, uh, like yeah, any any of these bubble like teams. They ain't that far off, and and they're playing well right now. But like a huge thing, um, besides obviously SMU and Louisville not being involved, which opens up two spots, is that yeah. these usual these non Power Five multi bid leagues. A lot of them aren't going to be multi-bid leagues, and the, we still got to fill the stupid bracket up. And that's that's good news for Kevin Stallings. I think it, it's probably good news for Michael White as well. Yeah, do we think Stallings is in trouble if they don't get the, to the, the student newspaper fired him like two weeks ago? Did, did you that, see that's that? That's not a good sign. No, no, it's never <laughs> never a good sign. Like in all seriousness, like they might have jumped the gun, but like when the student newspaper is firing you. Like, oh, it was a big like headline. Google it. I bet you can find it. Like a big headline, like Kevin Stallings must go. Like it was like. Like they fired him, and uh, and now he's going to make the tournament. I don't know. I, I I I get the sense that he'll get one more year no matter what. But like he's been there a long time, long time. And you know how it is when you're there a long time, anywhere a long time. You better be a Hall of Famer. Like if you want to stay somewhere as long as Kevin stayed there, it it is it's hard to do unless you're a Hall of Famer. And as much as I like Kevin Stallings, um, he's not a Hall of Famer. So, um, he he's probably I don't some, think he's done a good job with that team this uh, year. <laughs> Let alone like be a Hall of Famer. They just wanted the O Dome, dude. How many times I got to say that to you? <laughs> Avery Johnson wanted the O Dome. Uh, By the way, Avery Johnson's doing a really good job at Alabama. This yes, year. he is. He is. They, you know what? They might get there too. But like all of this is good news for uh, LSU and I mean uh, Louisville. Well, LSU sucking. That's good for everybody except LSU. And then Louisville and SMU not being allowed to play. That's good for all the bubble teams: Alabama, Vanderbilt, Florida included. So yeah, like I would think that Alabama's resume is better than Vanderbilt's. I think right it now. probably is right now. I'm just saying they ain't far off, and they've got um, a home game against Kentucky that is basically going to be a coin flip of a game, mm-hmm. and then they get Tennessee at home should handle yep. that, yep. and then at A and M, like I ain't so sure about that one, but like at that point they would be guaranteed if they could get these next two, they're guaranteed to finish 11 and seven in the league. That doesn't necessarily mean anything. But they're they're headed in the right direction, and given the weakness of the rest of the country, like they're going to be right there. They'll be. How about this? Heading into the SEC tournament, we will be talking about Vanderbilt as a possible NCAA tournament team, and did, that didn't seem likely back when they were zero and three in the SEC. Yeah, if they lose both of these games, do you think that they can play their way in? I think if you are on the bubble right now in a Power Five league, you're going to be on the bubble going into your conference tournament, and you're going to have an opportunity to play your way in. Okay. Just they'd be they'd be seventeen or eighteen and thirteen at that point. Yeah, but with a win at the O Dome. And then I mean, what are you next, even talking about? Their next best win <laughs> might be like Stony Brook. I don't. Know. It's probably Texas A and M, but yeah. next is Stony Brook probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they've got, they got two Florida wins, a uh, Texas A and M win. A hey, Stony Brook win ain't bad though. Don't be dismissive of the Stony Brook win. I'm, I'm working on a Stony Brook story, man. I'm not I'm not dismissing any Stony Brook story. I, I shouted out Stony Brook in a poll attack a few weeks ago. Hey, they, they're worthy of it, absolutely. They are worthy of it. All right, I got to go for real. I can't talk to you anymore. Let's let's not even talk to each other until Sunday night. Subscribe to the Island College Basketball Podcast on iTunes, and uh, we will talk to you again on Sunday night. Bye-bye.